Section 22 of Lou Guru. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Winterburn. Lou Guru by Eden Philpotts. Fair de Lance. Chapter 2. On the evening of that day, Mrs. Field trotted up the great winding road that rises from Port Castries to the fortified mountain above it. Her white pony was strong, and his burden a fairy weight, so he cared little for the steepness of the path. At intervals the negroes' cottages, flanked by cocoa trees and plantains, capped with rough thatch, marked the way, and here and there, down through a break in the woods, came a vision of dark waters streaked with brightness from the flaming sunset sky above them. Nocturnal insect life already began to hum and chirrup, for night flies on speedy wings in the tropics and the day dies in an hour. Claire Field was a typical French beauty, with a charm of distinction that attracted some men even more than her physical glories of figure, dark hair, violet eyes, and infinitely sweet expression. She had not overmuch intelligence, but possessed a striking gift of tact, which latter commodity, perhaps, best becomes a married woman, and is of the greatest practical value, more especially if her husband happened to be clever and unsociable, and superior to mere amenities in small things. Young Lieutenant Field rode twenty yards behind his wife, but her white pony speedily increased the distance between them as he proceeded for the small creature had nothing to carry, whereas the big black horse behind, though quite up to his master's weight, was not prepared to hurry against such a tremendous hill. "'I'm going on to dress, Claude,' cried the little lady ahead. Her husband assented, and away she went. Presently Field overtook his colonel, a tubby officer on a tubby steed. Both man and horse were extremely warm, despite a fresh evening breeze that now swiftly brought night and cooling dews. Colonel Walters began grumbling at Mornfortuné, according to his custom. Positively, he said, these fearful heights grow steeper and steeper every time I struggle up them. I shall have to protest. It's wearing me out, not to mention my horse. He was a plump, comely beast once. Look at him now. We are becoming mere skeletons, the pair of us. Physically, I'm ill-adapted to this climate and these precipitous districts. My liver and my temper are not what they were. There is little doubt I was meant to shine in a flat country and a temperate latitude, not on the top of a tropical mountain. Field sympathized and touched a pleasanter subject. I saw a fat turtle being conducted up the hill to camp as I rode down, he said. The colonel brightened up. I rejoice to hear it. Green Turtle is one of my few consolations in this island. They surmounted the hill and entered camp in twenty minutes. But Claire had reached her home and departed again before her husband arrived. It happened thus. Mrs. Field stopped the white pony at a little grey-walled villa with a red roof. Here, dismounting, she gave her steed into the keeping of a black man, and, picking up her habit, tripped into the house. Just within a wide hall hung a whip-rack, and below it stood a big turtle-shell, held upside down upon a cane tripod. 
It was a general receptacle for chance matters, gloves and the like, but just now it contained a somewhat bulky parcel that had evidently come by post. Glancing at it, Claire was startled to see that, even through the gathering gloaming, the broad and bold scrawl of direction upon this parcel was quite familiar to her. Moved with curiosity and no little surprise at such an unexpected event, the girl made further scrutiny and took the packet to a lamp in an adjoining room. There any shadow of doubt vanished. Jacques Marbeau had sent the package to her husband. That Claire should wait for fifteen minutes for an explanation to the mystery struck her as being quite out of the question. So she set about opening the parcel herself without any delay whatever. She tore off the outer covering, then another, and was finally about to lift a very ordinary-looking cigar-box from the papers when its lid, which was unfastened, fell upon her hand. The girl could see nothing but some old fragments of white flannel. She noticed a faint smell of scented soap also, and then put her hand into the box to find what this strange gift might mean. Something cold and alive wriggled round her wrist in a second. She felt a sharp prick as of a pin, and rapidly drew back her hand. With it came the source of her surprise, a bright, slender, shining thing that looked like a live necklace. Monsieur Marbeau's present fell silently and vanished, as Claire, dimly guessing the nature of her accident, screamed with terror and cried for her husband. Poor little white wild-eyed woman! Nothing upon God's earth could undo what was done. Ten short, agonized minutes were all that remained to her, all that remained of a life that had looked quite full of years and sunshine only a moment before. When Field entered his home with leisurely stride, a wilderness of horror-stricken, babbling blacks broke the news. His wife was dead. It is a mistake for any woman at any time to open communications intended for her husband. End of section 22 Recording by Stephen Winterburn